0: In the past, they go to the really cold. And that's, Max would do something similar at Azteca back in the days when they used to play um, in midday, really, when it was really hot. And it combined with the smog and the altitude. That would really, like, tire out the teams. But they haven't done that in a long time. That, that stopped being one of the, you know, it's one of the reasons these teams are, are giving uh, Mexico a harder a harder time at that stadium.
1: Yeah, you know, today Mexico played in El Azteca with a handful of fans, I think under 10,000, 10, so they did have some in attendance. And, uh, you know, now with the Mexican national team, would you say that they're starting to cater to the U.S. audience? Because... I felt that playing at well, sets, yeah, well, I mean, like playing at 7 p.m. Uh, seems kind of weird, you know, because it's 7 p.m. our time, but it's also 9 p.m. in Mexico, which I think was a little bit late for a qualifying match. Don't you agree?
0: Yeah, well, that's that's been yeah. And before we used to see the games on Sundays. It would be Sunday, and it was early, like 10 o'clock, or what have you. Well, depending depending where you're at, but um, that I was part of it. <clears throat> That was part of the whole Azteca thing, you know? They combine all those things, uh, the heat, the altitude, the smog, Um, and yeah, they've, they've, I had, um, I should have saved it, but they were talking about, they was talking about Liga MX and the percentage of, um, I think it was like, like money that they're getting.
1: Um, I know Hercules Gomez tweeted something earlier today saying that almost half of the audience as far as like TV ratings was
0: yeah, there you go. generated was here
1: money-wise. in the, in the States, which is quite alarming, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was, that was the, what I had seen. And no, it's not. Cause it's, it, that's been the case for a long time now. Um, so all these complaints about the amount of muleros and, and, you know and this was a few years back when when mex started playing the majority of their games in the US and they would just basically play world cup qualifying in mexico um but that that's been that's been for a while now and it's for yeah for the obvious reasons it, it's you know how much money they generate and so it's generating through through tv here in the US um and it's it's not just the TV ratings you have to factor in sponsorships, so all these sponsors that they're gonna get, and and then this goes into World Cup because then, you know, once you're going into that big tournament worldwide, and then your brand, so the Mexico brand, it's valued that much more because um, of, of the ratings they bring in. So yeah, they're they're getting a lot of money through playing here, and it's it's um you posted something about um, like a meme with Conmebol and and FMF or uh, Mexican soccer. And uh, I was going to say it's the other way around because Conmebol does want Mexico in their tournaments because uh, that's two big markets that they could put their football in, you know, Mexico and, and the U.S. with the U.S. being the main one. And so, so and, and we did see... Um, there's been flirting here going on from, Conmebol, where they were the president. Um, the president of Conmebol, he he talked about, you know, the doors are open for Mexico to return to the tournaments. And then a day or two ago, I believe Cholo, Cholos, uh, Solos, Cholos, I don't know how to say it. Um, they they tweeted a picture of their stadium and in the, and on the you know their screen, the giant screen of the stadium, it said Conmebol. And uh, Interesting. that got me that got me excited because I would, I would like to go back to Libertadores. I always liked it, um, but I mean, that, why are they inviting mechs? You know, it's not exactly because, you know, because popularity or not. Um, I mean, overall popularity of teams, it's it's because of of the markets that they have. U.S. mechs.
1: Yeah, so um sort of context with that meme that we posted earlier uh it was about how you know all oh, mexico as is trying to go to comebo to qualify for the world cup because you know this re- region is too easy and you know it's you know and then they're saying like if we were to you know compare the numbers right now mexico would also be out of the world cup if they had if they were in comebo right now but uh I don't know, I, I always felt like dude they're like they're not paying attention to us, they're not you know i, I know like the fans maybe you know That's- like to bring up Mexico and make fun of us, you know um but I, I honestly can't can't really say, oh yeah, Comebol is like is is uh talking about mexico or or it wants mexico i I just don't see it i, I yeah. we're 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 the cash cow, but yeah. but I don't know how serious these talks are.
0: Oh, they are. I mean, from from the Directivo. So we have to separate the fans in South America and then the fans in the U.S. Because when you get hate, the majority of the time, it's coming from South Americans that live in the U.S. You're going to get the most hate from this group here. Um, And it's just the normal stuff. You you see it everywhere. But in South America, yeah, the Directivos, of course they want Mexico. It's it's a lot of money and sponsors that would help you know I mean their economies haven't been doing good. a lot of them. so I think Brazil's the only one that's that's okay, but like Argentina and some of these they're just they're not doing that good. So that's always extra money that comes in that benefits everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we had that quote from Almeida when he was in the Argentine TV and he was saying how he was saying how like hey Mexico puts you know food on the table. Like you guys, why are you guys talking shit? Um or not, not talking shit, but you know, trying to kind of it. Yeah. Words. Yeah. And it was and you know, sometimes when it happens, it's it's just coming from this place of like like um just just to talk shit. You know, because when we see like especially Argentina, when we see a lot of their top players and coaches, they've all ended up in Mexico at one point or the other. Both of their coaches, they won the World Cup, you know. um, um, Alfio Vasile and and Menotti both, you know, worked in Mexico. Um, Vasile with America and Menotti at Tecos and with the Mexican national team. And the list could go on, you know, of of a lot of their top coaches or, or even players at,
1: they ended up playing in Mexico. Yeah. So, going over the game, Mexico at home against Panama. We had uh, Ochoa in the back, Cata Dominguez, Cesar Montes, Néstor Artiaga, Charlie Rodriguez, Guardado Herrera, Chucky Lozano, Raul Jimenez, and Alexis Vega. And I'll be honest, that first 45 minutes was pretty tense. A lot of back and forth. In fact, there was times in that first half where Panama were just playing better. And every time there was a set piece, I, I got a little bit nervous. Um, Raul had a few chances in that first half and, you know, I, I know he's been out injured, but somebody needed to hand him some WD 40 at halftime. Cause he was rusty. <laughs> he was rusty, rusty, rusty. And I'm like, this is uh this is not looking good. You know, this is, our, this is supposed to be our guy. It's supposed to be our nine. And, uh, he just looked really, really bad out there.
0: He did, and you know that's the good thing of Mexico playing without, without a full house. Because I do think a lot of these players have folded once the stadium turns against them. I've seen a lot of a lot of the um, Mex teams and and players that they just fold, man, and then they just can't seem to, they just can't seem to get out of that. Yeah, and you have the stadium booing them or. Or you know, Chantinole for the opposite for the opposition, so that's that's been a blessing for Tata that he's had to play with a pretty much empty Azteca.
1: Yeah, and you know there was actually a statistic that Panama had never uh, beaten Panama. Uh, you know, Panama hasn't won on the road against Mexico, so you know it really did feel like it was in our favor. But again just that tension not being able to capitalize and, and, and score goals and it took all the way to the 80th minute for uh, for us to get a goal off a penalty kick that I'm not gonna lie it was a little bit controversial. Uh, Linus had the ball he, he dribbled one too many defenders lost the ball but he still stayed up and tried to try to contest the ball and in that sort of fumble, uh, he ends up drawing a penalty. <laughs> and uh Raul who's always been a really good penalty taker he he looked calm cool and collected took the penalty uh you know he he waited until the goalie sort of gave up his his uh his line and he he put it away pretty easily and it was sort of just like a breath of like relief you know like all right fine we're gonna, we're, we're going to get these 3 points i think there was a lot of pressure today on Tata Martino because you know the the results haven't been favorable they haven't been playing well and you can start to feel like the media starting to to hop on and this hate train and
0: uh <laughs> yeah and it's his first win and um i don't know what was it like six games or something <sighs> yeah i'm able to win so that that's that monkey off for the back um as for the penalty yeah I, I, I to me it was legit it looked like the cascarita where you're you're just falling over each other but it was legit because the guy did it yeah. doesn't end up tripping it doesn't look tripping
1: line. this. Yeah, and with this victory, the three nations are starting to pull away from the rest uh, of the octagon. Uh, Canada continuing to win. And obviously today USA won. And now with Mexico winning, it's it's starting to look a little bit, you know, they're starting to build that gap between Repechaje uh, and and direct qualification. As it stands right now, Canada has twenty five points. USA and Mexico both with twenty one. Uh, USA does have nine goal differential. Mexico has six, and Panama is seventeen points with this loss. Uh, Costa Rica is starting to creep up on them with uh, sixteen points. So we're gonna let them go. You know, fight that that final spot. But I think USA, Mexico, and Canada are are pretty much in.
0: What is it,
1: three games left? We have three games left. I will say the toughest match will be uh, the next one in March. Mexico will, will host USA. So that, that will be a pretty pretty big match. And that will be the one that I will be looking forward to. Um, and, yeah, you know, Panama and Costa Rica are going to have to fight for that that fourth spot.
0: Okay. Okay, I see it. Yeah. So it was. It was a big. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine a defeat. Or even, put.
1: even a draw would have put a little bit. It would have. It would have looked pretty bad for Mexico.
0: It was. It reminds me of when uh, when Aguirre came in. I think it was his first time. Was it his first? But I remember that his first game was against the U.S. So Mexico had lost. And it was at Azteca, and it was his first, and it was like a must win match. And it was a 1 0 win, I believe a Burgetti goal. Was it Burgetti? I can't remember. It's it's years ago, man. (laughs) (laughs) History tends to repeat itself, but I think they avoided that. Uh, They avoided that, and now it's it's sort of like, and, and that's the other thing if you have to think about. If they're gonna sack Tata? Do you want to bring in a coach and throw him against the U.S.? You know, just knowing that an adverse result would just, you know, mess things up. So I think they're gonna let him finish um, the qualifiers.
1: Yeah. I, uh, again, this was a massive, massive match. We talked about it on Sunday. How important this match was for for both the national team and Tata, you know, like you, you, uh, you draw at home for the second consecutive game and, you know, you see USA and Canada pull away and, you know, you start to get on that, on that, that hot seat. Like, you know, are, are we going to go back to back like in 2014, there was also rumors of Piojo ready for it. You know, he's ready for operation New Zealand, you know, all these memes going around, <laughs> but I think, um, everybody can just take a nice deep breath we we did win today we did beat Jamaica so you know we we predicted it man we said it was going to be two victories and a draw and uh that's exactly what happened with Mexico in these in, in these three matches and um uh, now it's it's really going to be a battle between you know can Mexico like get out on top can they get the first seed and and get seated in the World Cup i know canada's looking good right now they're undefeated you know they've been they've been rolling Steamrolling opposition, but they're gonna have a tough closing to these qualifiers. Uh three out of their last four matches will be on the road for them. So it's it's not gonna be all all easy for Do you Canada. Know
0: who play? Hi,
1: What's that? Do you
0: know who Canada what what their schedule is? Oh like? yeah.
1: So Canada will be on the road uh March twenty fourth against Costa Rica and then they come back to Canada to play Jamaica, uh, but then they're back on the road. Uh, against Panama so
0: yeah those uh, aside from the home game (laughs) those two road games will be difficult yeah Costa Rica seems to have woken up a bit yeah and And Panama's Panama's not going out without a fight yeah they've been they've been here before you know they've they were there in the they were there when they were like uh, when they lost the U.S. and when they took it to the last match day with the Susi, and then in the the following four years, it was similar where they were like they were playing at home, and this time they were like more smart of how they went through the game. So they they've been in that situation of of having to claw their way into into the last match to to you know snatch a a spot for the World Cup. So I do think they're gonna. They're going to
1: go all out. Yeah, those are tough matches because, uh, again, those are the two teams that are sort of on the bubble. Only one of them is going to be able to make it to Qatar. So, you know, both Costa Rica, especially today, you know, Costa Rica getting uh, getting a favorable result, uh, you know, it puts them back in the fight. And, uh, you know, Panama and Costa Rica are going to fight it out to see who, who makes it. As for Mexico, again, tough match, 24th against USA. Uh, and then they have to go on the road against Honduras. Although, let's be honest, Honduras has had a terrible, terrible outing. They're in last place. They have no victories, and everybody's just been taking points from them. So, uh, it's it's even though it's on the road, it's it's going to be accessible. And then they'll close out at home against El Salvador, who are also pretty much not going to make it to the World Cup either. So.
0: Yeah, Honduras really been disappointing, and it was it was um. It was a squad that you thought going into the World Cup that they were being pretty serious, you know, about their campaign, and and things seem to just have fallen apart. A lot of times is the corruption, you know, in those FAs where directivos tend to, you know, they just. They just have too much sway sometimes, and and they they're looking out for just to make money, Um, which we saw earlier today with El Salvador. They were threatening to not play against Canada over.
1: Oh yeah, what was that about? Over what?
0: They said that the that the FA went against that they went back on their word to pay off some bonus money. Oh, Um, but it's also it was like. the, you know, going off of the letter they they sent, it said that they had, that the FA had already given it a done conclusion, uh, said like, all right, you guys aren't gonna reach this goal. So we're not gonna pay it. And they were saying, well, mathematically, we still have a shot. <laughs> yeah. And I do think, uh, I do think it is messed up if they sort of found out, maybe it was something that they heard, you know? Maybe they heard, they were saying, ah, dude, at least we don't have to pay, you know, these guys didn't make
1: it. Yeah. One thing that I thought was really skeptical, uh, I did catch sort of like the last minutes of that Canada El Salvador game because uh, it was during the halftime of the Mexico game. Uh, the last play of the game, uh, number 12 of El Salvador sort of loses the ball, and it's a breakaway for Canada. And he's, like, chasing him down, chasing him down, you know. But Jonathan David's really good. And then at the very last minute, he just stops. And he just, he just gives up on the play. Canada scored the second goal. And they end up winning. Um, but I just thought it was kind of like, huh, you got players that are, you know, threatening to not play. And then you kind of have, like, this going on. El Salvador is not, you know, they, they've, they've been caught in the past for Max Fitch, Mac, match fixing. So, yeah, you know, I'm like, I don't know. That seemed seem a little bit kind of suspicious.
0: I don't think, I don't think you'll go to there because I don't think, um, it's not like Canada would, you know, go in and try to, try to like, you know, buy a win or whatnot. It's too it probably got a tardy horse. Unless, you know, it, it a lot of times with the match fixing it's, it's like it's not always the the other team that's gonna say here we'll pay you to throw the match it's usually through betting
1: yeah exactly you know
0: because it's like uh the other team you're gonna bet that the other team scores four goals or whatever amount of goals doesn't even have to be a win just it just has to be they're gonna score two goals cause that's you can bet on that alone. Um so I might have to take take it back there, Jaime. Mean. <laughs> but I, I don't I don't think it went that far, you know?
1: Yeah, I just thought it was a little bit suspicious. Also the first goal of that game was really weird. It it was like a ball that was going out of bounds and then it hit like the Canadian player and it had, it was just like a weird ricochet and it was just a weird way of conceding a first goal. Um But, yeah, you know, good good for Canada. I'm still not convinced. You know, they're not convincing me. And here's the thing. Like, this kind of goes back to the last episode where it doesn't really matter how you get to the World Cup. What matters is getting there. And once you get there, it's a completely different animal. I would not be surprised if Canada end up winning this uh, octagonal and end up getting, like, undefeated. Like, they didn't lose any games in qualification. And then they go to the World Cup. And just shit their pants like three games, three <laughs> losses. You know what I mean? Like I would not be surprised because they haven't been in the World Cup since like you you uh, was it eighty six or, or what year was it? Yeah, yeah. And they're just 18, like 86. they, they yeah. haven't been there like ever. You know, it's just like they're gonna go in there inexperienced. They're gonna be there just just for the experience. They're just gonna go there oh. t- to take selfies. And I don't I I I would not be surprised. <laughs> If Canada like, like, I'm (laughs) I'm just saying, (laughs) I'm just saying like, and, and, and I would not be surprised if like Mexico, you know, unconvincing road to Qatar, you know, the whole time, uh, kicking and screaming. And then when they get to the group stage, they handle it. Like they have handled it for the last like 30 years. You know what I mean? It's like, I can see that experience factor, you know, coming into play.
0: Yeah, I feel fans forget that. You know, Mike's, they think uh if, if the qualifier is not going this way then the World Cup's gonna, you know, be the same thing. Uh but we've seen we've always seen the team pick themselves up and at the the tournament perform at at a you know, much better level. Um yeah, with Canada I'ma say it goes it goes down to what group they get, you know. Yeah. What what teams they end up playing. So and that remains to be seen. But isn't this next World Cup at, uh, what is it at now, like 40 teams?
1: 48.
0: So it's not three games, is it? Isn't it four or something like that?
1: Um, it's like a weird It's going to be groups. groups of three, I think.
0: Oh, so it's two.
1: It's only two matches, I think. I don't know how it works, man. Wait,
0: what? No. <laughs> That's one big-ass panini book. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Canada is ranked 40 in the world right now, so there would be no benefit for them to win the CONCACAF region. It's not like they're going to get seated in the World Cup. Only the top like teams oh. in the world get seated. Right now, USA is ranked 11. Mexico is ranked 14. That might change between now and and uh, the end of qualifiers, but uh, I think there's still an incentive for Mexico to try and win this out and and get as close as to you know the top ten in the world as possible. Again, to get seated in the World Cup, have a more accessible group, but a lot can happen between now and uh, Qatar.
0: Yeah, agreed great, but I mean, I
1: do think they're going to run away with it. Yeah. Uh, One unfortunate news is Chucky Lozano got injured. I'm not sure how serious it is, but they did have to take him off in the stretcher. And, you know, it, it's always the same thing, man. Like, every time we, we uh, send Europeans over here, they get banged up. They come back to their team, like, all banged up. And, you know, Chucky Lozano has been dealing with a lot of injuries in the last year. And it's just like the last thing we need is is a injured player going back to Naples and going back to the bench. You know, he was out with COVID and, you know, he was just getting back into form. And now he gets this, this. it looked like a shoulder injury. I'm not really sure, you know, but it, it looked pretty serious. So we'll have to see what happens with Chucky Lozano. And uh, nothing to worry about for Johan Vasquez. He got no minutes in these three qualifying matches, such a shame he's doing so good over there in genoa and uh for him to to go make this trip and then get absolutely no minutes, it's a little bit disappointing, and I think that's part of the criticism that uh Tata has gotten with the fans
0: hi mean, it is um it is groups of four is it yeah.
1: But so it'd be what, 12 teams? 12 groups, sorry?
0: It's it's still at 32.
1: Oh. So 48 is, is
0: going to be the 2026 World uh, Cup. Okay, so okay. this is the last one, the last one of its kind. Wow. So yeah, it's going to be, I'll say it'll be tougher because I think at the 48 it seems to be easier in the sense that there's going to be like easier rivals.
1: Yeah, because the way it works mathematically, it wouldn't make sense to make groups of four, because what what are you going to do? The top two teams from each group make it to make it through, and then there's going to be an uh, uneven amount of you know. There's yeah, Yeah,
0: I think it's three teams or something. I I don't know. I I don't I don't really care. It's it's a long way. Forty-eight countries. (laughs) Yeah,
1: forty-eight countries. Groups of three. And then, you know, the top two from each each team, each group. I don't, actually I have no idea how that, Yeah. well, you know, that's <laughs> that's like another four years, five years from now. We'll worry about that when we get there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we'll see with Chucky it seems like maybe his shoulder, he landed on his shoulder and
1: Yeah. It was a shoulder to shoulder like tackle and he went down because he's a smaller guy and it didn't really look like much but maybe the way he landed it kind of maybe he got his shoulder dislocated or something I'm not sure yeah so with these three matches you know Mexico got the win against Jamaica the draw against Costa Rica and now another Last-ditch win against Panama. And uh, it seems like, for now, Tata is safe. I don't know how serious those allegations were, those rumors were of, you know, Piojo stepping in in case shit was to hit the fan. But for now, everything with Medico is fine. Uh, We finally do have a resolution between Chivas and Macias. Uh, Chivas today officially announced him as uh, part of the roster and he, he is going to be playing for Chivas for the remainder of uh, the season. So Getafe and, and Chivas came to an agreement. And another thing that they mentioned with, with that was the fact that they did have other offers for him to stay abroad, but at the end of the day, they decided not to pursue them, which makes me curious as to what teams uh, reached out to Macias.
0: Yeah. 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 You, you, we didn't really hear any names. So I wonder how much truth there is to that.
1: I mean, why would they lie? I know, I know uh, Moscow was one of them, but I don't know. What I will tell you is he won't be wearing the number nine because it was taken by Saldivar. So I think they gave him the number seven. And how awkward is that locker room going to be, you know, because here you have a kid who I mean, everyone says that he's you know, he doesn't get along with players and he's like kind of like nobody likes him. And then I'm sure that when he was uh, saying his goodbyes to the team when he went to Spain, I'm sure (laughs) I'm sure he was a little bit cocky, like, hey, see you losers later. I'm going to Europe, you know. And then now he's sort of coming back, you know. Now he's coming back, and he's like, "Hey guys, what's going on?"
0: No, nah, I don't think I don't think it's going that way. I don't know, man. I mean, think about you it. Think-
1: he's he's a player that does not have to worry about money. He's he's rich. He has his own nutritionist, his own trainer. Like I'm sure that's going to rub a lot of players the wrong way.
0: Well, it seemed like he had some some friends there, but I do think it's up to. The coach that's where the coach and everything comes in just to make sure that because it, it's in the best interest of the club to have more players and, and especially someone like Macias I think if he does good you know they could sell him eventually get get some money because I mean, it's not like it's not like Chivas is bringing in all these players there they only got one and it was a trade-off so at least uh They could probably try to do that with Macias, you know, if if there's no more interest from Europe, try to trade trade him off.
1: Yeah. um, Another thing that is rumored is that uh, Alexis Vega is, you know, still negotiating about his contract with Chivas, and he wants a clause in case a European offer does come on the table. Uh Chios did announce their partnership with PSV, which isn't the first time they've sort of announced this. They did this back in twenty eighteen, but I guess like COVID stopped stopped like all the business side of things to go through. But yeah, I mean it sounds like you know, PSV is gonna have first dibs at at Chios's best players and that could be Alexis, that could be Macias. In fact, I'm convinced that I'm sure that had some um incentive for Macias to return to Chivas? Because I'm sure he wanted to stay out in Europe and try and thug it out out there and maybe even go to another European team. But I think this, like, agreement with PSV, uh, I think it's it's given Macias and Alexis uh, an incentive to to stay with Guadalajara, at least until the summer.
0: i I never seen a partnership like that really benefit. We've heard throughout the years all these, all these partnerships, and then it's like... Nothing really came out of it. There was supposedly a partnership with Man United that was part of the chicha trade, and that they were supposedly going to send coaches and whatnot. And and it's been what since 2011? How many years uh, have you heard anything that came out of that? Uh, the only know?
1: thing that came out of that Manchester deal was the friendly. <laughs> that was it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, to, in, to inaugurate the the Chiba stadium, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how that works. I know it has some fans excited, but I don't, I don't, I don't really see how it benefits the club.
1: You know, my question with this, cause everybody was salivating at the mouth, like, Oh my God, this is great. And I'm like, is it really? Because what can PSV offer Chivas? Realistically, they're not going to be able to be like, hey, do you want some of our players? They can't because they're not Mexican. So what exactly are we going to get in return? We're we're giving them first dibs at our best players. They're going to dismantle our team. And what? What do we get in return? Nothing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand why everyone's so excited about this. Do, do you realistically think that they're going to share their, like, business practices or their, like, tactical part of the game with I mean, with Leano and, and do you think he'll even take him serious? I don't think so.
0: Yeah see that's that's where it comes down to the club and it's like is the club going to send people to PSV send some of their some of their staff to, to learn? Cause you don't really see clubs doing that even though it, it makes sense you know, but at the same time, it's like they probably not to the club because it's like it, this player could just leave, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: And so you're going to have to have them sign some type of contract where it's like, we're going to like help you earn coaching credentials or, or we're going to, you know, send you to these places to learn. And then you're gonna have to at least stay with the club this amount of time.
1: Yeah, I think, but it, I- it's you know the issue with Mexicans and European teams is it's always been the same thing. It's like you know we're too expensive, so I think having like a an agreement with the team, you know, kind of helps them out as far as like trying to get players abroad. But yeah, again, I mean, we had none other than Johan Cruyff at our disposal and did we do anything with that connection we did not all we got in return was hey we should really take out this artificial turf and put real grass in (laughs) and and that that was the only thing that came out of that and once they started to get into like the nitty-gritty stuff you know cheers like hey 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 that's none of your business this is uh this is
0: i think that whole thing was just poorly done because unfortunately cry was already sick You know, Um, and so he wasn't, he wasn't going to come and and stay in Guadalajara. He just wanted to, he was just going to do like three or four visits per year or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, the big thing about Cruyff is, is the man himself. So you would want him to be there, to be the face of the project to be at the stadium during games. Um and to be that that inspiration, you know. And so that the fact that he wasn't gonna be there, I, I think at that point to me it was like, oh this isn't gonna this isn't gonna last long. And then the second thing that they did was they pretty much cleaned house. And I think that was that was the wrong thing to do, like just coming in. And you had all these staff that had been there for a long time and they booted a lot of them to, to bring in the, all of the, the Cruyff, you know, the Cruyff, the Croif employees. And I, I, do, and I remember um, there was an, an interview with Hans and he said that he had told them like, Hey, try to keep some of the Mexican coaches It is going to benefit you guys, you know, just. Start learning the way things are done here, and they didn't seem to they didn't seem to listen to mr mr Westerhoff and that's that's of course that's gonna cause some some problems there too, you know, yeah i think I think those those things were badly done. I think they could have they should have brought staff, but not not to that point where you're gonna boot everyone out. It's not like Chivas was in the you know, was in the dumps. They were still doing some things right. So you're you're not no need to like just go clean house. Um if if you remember the same thing happened at Man U when um when uh Ferguson left. Yeah. Right? It was the a new shit coach show. comes. <laughs> the new coach comes in and he got rid of all this staff. And it's like, why are you doing that? These dudes had been very successful with Ferguson. Why are you going to yeah. boot them to put in your buddies? You know, like, I mean, eventually give some of them, you know, final spot, but things were going well. No need to, no need to dismantle all that.
1: Yeah. Uh, for everyone listening, if you want to speak, uh, I've invited you guys to speak. Let us know your thoughts on. Well, this whole process with, with the Mexican national team, uh, this road to Qatar, it's been it's been stressful. Uh, I saw a meme right now that I just thought was really funny. It's like, uh, what is it? It's like, goodbye, everyone. I'll remember you all in therapy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a stressful, stressful road to Qatar. And, you know, we wanted to invite everyone on Twitter spaces to uh, to talk. Uh, we have uh, El Tecatote. What's up, man?
0: Hey,
2: how's it going? So just uh join the show, so what I might say might be redundant. Maybe you already spoke about it. If it is, I'm sorry. But um, for the first time in, the, in my life, I don't have that motivation to watch the Mexican national team. I feel like most fans probably go through that at some point. For me, the breaking point was uh, going to the U.S.-Mexico game, the most recent one, and, you know, like watching it live and just not seeing that passion or anything. But once, like, you start, like, analyzing the whole situation, like with Tata saying that uh, Mexico is uh, one of the dominant countries in Central America, uh, I mean, I know it's a little detail, but come on, man, how long have you been coaching the team? You don't even know we're part of, like, North America. Uh, Another thing is with (laughs) Johan Vasquez, you know, you make him fly out all the way from Italy to Mexico. You watch him respect Moreno. You know, I have nothing against Moreno. Uh, To me, Moreno's been the best defender we've had after Rafa Marquez. There's never been one time in my life where I was like, damn, Moreno's starting. Like, man, hopefully he doesn't screw up. Always 100% confident in him. But, you know, he's at Monterrey. Johan's young. He's killing it in Serie A, even if his team's not doing that hot. And then Moreno goes down, and what do you do? You start Cata Dominguez? <laughs> like, like, nothing against Cata. I'm sure he's a great guy. Seems like a family guy. Player-wise, it just feel Johan's so much better. And then uh, players... And then it's the opposite. Players that are in Europe, on the bench, are starting. And players that are in Europe and mm-hmm. playing are on the bench. Yeah. And then when they ask him about Atlas, uh, you know, like Aldo Rocha, like how come you have Atlas fans, on uh, Atlas players in the team, he says, well, they're full of foreigners. So to me it's like, Tata is here like for retirement. This is like his MLS. He knows he gets a big paycheck if he gets fired. And regardless, he still gets liquidated well. Uh, I don't think his heart's in it. Uh, I feel like the players feel that too. No one's really going to come out and say it. Uh, I think it's kind of BS that as much as Hector Rera, just like Moreno, always loved him. Has I've never been disappointed with Rera starting, but him and Guardado just getting a little slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our midfield in the World Cup will get uh, blown through. Oh yeah, I just don't know. I just don't see any positives in us going to the World Cup.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, very, very good points. I know with like that whole feeling of like not being motivated to watch them in the World Cup. We've all been there. <laughs> We've all been there, man. Like especially like I wanna say in like uh twenty ten, maybe twenty fourteen, I just was not motivated to see these teams in the World Cup, especially in twenty fourteen when like, you know, we were literally the last team to qualify and it was just a shit house. And then we ended up having a pretty entertaining World Cup. I know it was still painful, but you know, the the thing that we like to stress on this show is uh the rhythm and the form that we're in. Uh, to qualify for Qatar, and then the team that will actually perform in Qatar. They are com- two completely different tournaments. And unfortunately, Mexico have that, I guess, habit of playing up to their opponents and playing down to their opponents. You know, they always like to step it up and go for the two-per-two, the, the, you know, all, all balls out when they play against a uh, European team or a big, big team. And then when it comes to our own region, you know, when teams like to play bunker ball or they don't come out to play, you know, we tend to stoop to their level. So that's always been an issue with, with the Mexican national team. And uh, I did mention earlier about, you know, shame for, for Johan. Uh, You know, he, he got flown out to Mexico for, for nothing. Yeah. He was doing so well in Serie A. And, you know, I understand that doesn't make you a guaranteed starter uh, when you come suit up for the national team, but, the fact that he got no minutes is, is very dis- disturbing, uh, especially because Julian uh, Araujo did get end up getting minutes, and he looked like a breath of fresh air, especially compared to our usual suspects with Gallardo and Chaka, who, uh, you know, thankfully he got carted out, so he didn't have to play today. But I guarantee you, if he hadn't been carted out, Tata would have lined up with him. No doubt about it.
0: Yeah, well, I'm a... I'm a... I'm gonna get in the Tata train here. We don't know if he was injured. They're they're not always gonna say this player is, you know, maybe dragging an injury or whatnot. And a lot of times they do. They they are um they're not at the they're not at a hundred and many players will play like that. And I was seeing an interview. Um it was I forgot which player it was, but he was talking about how his legs were so messed up that he had to go and get like injections. Oh wow. And he he talked about it like how he even at night like he couldn't sleep and stuff like that. And he would go after training after like training camps and whatnot just to get some shots. And so we do see stuff like that where where some players will carry injuries for a long time. <clears throat> So I don't know what's going on, um, I could say that, or or maybe he's nursing something and, and it's to him, it would be like, like it's better than, you know, like a, coaches will bring a player to look at them and to see how they fit in their system. And you're getting, if he's getting playing time in Italy, then I'm not gonna jeopardize that, you know, because in the long run, he'll be better. He could be put to better use selection um so that's always one thing to keep in mind and, and they're not always gonna like let us know well oh, I'm not playing this guy because he's he has a slight injury um so a lot of times they they'll keep that they'll keep that on the down low um that's that's always one possibility um I guess we know when they go back and he goes back and he's playing full 90s and okay then maybe he's not injured. But if he's not getting full playing time, then there could be something there. And and I do agree with the uh, catote about like Tata uh, with his answers. Uh, to, but to me, I feel he's he's more fed up with the max media, and it's like he just doesn't want to deal with them. I don't think he's like thrown in the towel because I know that going to the World Cup is going to be a good mark in his you know, in his career and and to have been at the World Cup. And then if he has a good tournament, it'll open more doors for him because he, he already has a, a good, you know, pretty good, uh, pretty good there record book on, on him of places he's coached and titles and whatnot. So I, I do think he, um, he wants, he aspires for that. So I, but I do think uh, when he says some of the things I would, what he said about the Atlas players—that seemed like uh, just like kind of like leave me alone, you
1: know. Yeah, I think that was um, a very easy, like low-grabbing fruit thing for journalists. I think they jumped on that as soon as he said that, you know, because it's it's easy to criticize him. Oh, he doesn't watch Liga meki's I I, <laughs> I don't think he's not watching Liga Mekis. Like, there's no way, man. He's the coach of the national team. He's a professional. He's coached Barcelona. He's coached Argentina. What I can say is, you know, maybe he's a little bit out of touch with, you know, who's actually in form. And I I do remember a play, um, I think it was in the first half, where it was like a counterattack for Panama. It was a mistake on our end. And you see Guardado, man. He just cannot keep up with this dude. And I'm like, bro, we're going to get smoked in the World Cup if we're going to start with Guardado and Herrera. I mean, these guys have the experience and, and they have good, like, vision, but at the end of the day, man, you need someone that's going to be able to keep up with these youngins, and and I don't know if they can.
2: Yeah, I don't know if they can, and um, speaking of youngins, someone who's been really disappointing for me is uh, Charlie Rodriguez. I feel like he's been, like, potential, potential at the club level, and he's had, like, a good start with Cruz Azul, but on the national team, I just never see him as that difference maker, you know? He's never been like that, like, when Chucky Lozano was younger, she's like, a lot of heart. He hasn't uh, been doing, like, no, like, nice build-ups, no assists. I feel like he's just there. But, like, you could put in, like, Romo, uh, Charlie Rodriguez, uh, maybe, like, somebody else, and it doesn't really make a difference. Like, the only player that does stand about, like, head and shoulders about everybody else would be uh, Edson Alvarez. But even if we take Herrera and Guardado out, I'm like – OK, besides Edson, who else do we put in? I mean, Romo had a great form, but he's kind of like dropped off.
1: Yeah, the midfield is uh, something that we need to plug. Um, and we don't really have too many players in that in that position that could you know, we had like Fernando Beltran, but he really hasn't been, you know, Chivas haven't been giving him the, the minutes that that he deserves. So, you know, that, that position's kind of up in the air as far as Charlie goes, I think it's just nerves, man. Like he looked nervous today. Everybody looked a little bit tense today and you know, you're only going to get that with more and more exposure and more experience. So I think he just, he's nervous. I think he does have the talent and, and the capabilities of, of taking over the realms. But right now I think he was just, it was all nerves and uh, yeah, at least Roma looked better when he got subbed in Um, Diego Linus, another player that, you know, is not getting minutes in Europe and I think has failed to get a loan, which is unfortunate because he's a player that is still relatively young. He'll probably end up going to the world cup, but you want, and, and this is the issue across the board is like, we want our players to be going into the world cup, like, like fine tuned machines. And right now, uh, there's a lot of rust, you know, with Raúl Jiménez. He looked rusty today, man. He was, he was off. He had a, he had a few few chances that he just didn't put away, and I know some of them were offside, but still, like, you know, he ended up coming through clutch with the penalty. But this is not the, a player that's in form, and yet he's starting for the national team. And at this point, it's like you got to take players that are that are playing week in and week out. And, you know, by sort of picking these players that are in Europe, I don't know, man, like I would not be against having a, a, a more domestic side uh, to finish these qualifiers up now that we have a little bit of breathing room also to avoid injuries like the one Chucky Lozano had, because we all know that these Central Americans, they they play kind of dirty.
2: Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Chucky. Somebody got to feed him a bolillo or something because he gets hurt <laughs> way too much it's, when he's in Mexico.
0: He needs need a bolillo with a tamal inside. <laughs> 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 and, and, you know, usually a lot of the Max players when they go to Europe, they bulk up. Chucky's just, I don't know. He's just. I, I didn't notice he, enough pasta. He,
1: his, his quads bulked up for sure, but... Um, yeah, I don't know, man. He's still kind of like that fragile player. He gets injured or he he gets sick or whatever the case may be. And, you know, unfortunately right now his, his, uh, I guess the honeymoon era over there in Naples has sort of ended. Like the, the fans have been criticizing him heavily. He, you know, he, he had COVID, he was out, he scored two goals against Bologna and it seemed like things were back on, on track, but. With this injury, it's going to set him back another another month over there in Naples. And that's the last thing he needs.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I remember his comments. His, um, I want to go play in a big team. <laughs> they're not, not going to forget that anytime soon, man.
2: And then uh, to defend Chuki, I was actually really mad uh, the first half, the way they were using him. Because it really, literally felt like, especially on Kata, uh, he was just sending him like.
1: Really bad passes. Chase down so many
2: long, long passes. If I was juicing, I'm like, you guys literally flew me out here just to do 100-meter sprints? Like, get me involved in the game. Let's do, like, some 2v1s, unas triangulaciones, unas paredes, like, you know, play me with the ball to the back of the defender. You're literally just booting it and hope I can out-sprint this guy. Like, there's no idea, thought process behind it. And to me... That also goes back to the coach. like That's like some Sunday league tactic. Just boot it and hope our guy gets there before someone else.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was very frustrated with the passing in that first half. They just kept launching these bombs. I'm like, dude, like. I know he's fast, but geez, man, we got to deal with the altitude as well. You know, these players aren't accumulated to the altitude anymore. So, you know, it's just a lot of things that were just, it just felt off. And again, like, I think it just comes down to nerves. I think everybody knew how big this match was against Panama. It was a decisive match, you know, because this this is the team that's breathing down your neck. You know, one of them's trying to avoid going to repechaje. And this was a big, big match. And I think everybody felt that. That they had to come up and, uh, it just looked like nerves out there.
0: It did. And it's like you're saying, um, a lot of these players aren't used to playing at, at Azteca anymore. Um, and uh, you know, we couple that with, with how the team used to play early early and and that was something that would affect the rivals and you would see it back then. You would, you would see the rival teams cast out by the second half. Um, And of course that's just something FMF has not I know they thought of it, but it feels like, okay, now we're making too much money off of this TV, just, uh, you know, deal with it. So I I do think that's, that's been part of it too, where it's, it's uh, some of these players coming back. They're not used to playing at altitude. They all play at like sea level, so it's 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 part of it, you know. Not not to make excuses. I just think, and we've talked about it before. Maybe Max would be better off playing at a different venue that it's not Azteca. You know, there's there's other stadiums. I don't see why why it has to be there, if, especially if we're not going to be using a the heat and whatnot, yeah. that's, that's an advantage anymore. and Or even the altitude where if you have players that are more used to playing there, that doesn't affect them because they play there week in, week out. But that's that's just not the case uh, right now. So if, if you're not going to get the most out of that stadium, out of the type of advantage it, it could provides, then um, I do feel that they should look into other venues.
2: Yeah. yeah, I agree 100% with that. Uh, it seemed you know that might have been a big advantage in early 2000s and back, but up till now we're having so many players in Europe. Uh, it's, come on, they come back to play a high altitude game once every three months. I mean, they're not yeah. adapted to it. Uh, also from the fan point of view, they've taken the team from granted. They'll know the team will be back if they're not playing in the states. They're playing in Azteca. so I feel it would be. A f- breath fresh air, if you took it to like Torreón, uh, Monterrey, Guadalajara, yeah, uh, fans would definitely jump on it and they'd be a lot more supportive of the teams as well because they're not used to having them there and then the players also feel more comfortable as well, because maybe playing at a lower altitude, something they're used to, uh, that playing every weekend in their local leagues. Uh, why, and another thing like, you know, if Azteca was packed all the time, Great, but I think the last full stadium uh, game they got like sixty thousand people in, and they had a two for one promo. So the fans are even going. Like, why? Just just switch it up. Fill up you can. They could fill up a Crona. They could fill up
0: Monterrey Stadium for sure. Yeah, they would sell those out, and and it's um, yeah, it's like you're saying. Um, someone like Raúl, for example, he used to play at America, but he's been in Europe since.
1: 2013,
0: I mean, 2014. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, so I mean, they're just, it's, uh, and you could kind of see it, as you were saying, so some of these guys look rusty.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, like, it's... number one, the, I, I do agree, like, the, 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 the teams with the biggest attendance in Mexico should be rewarded with the home game, you know, and I think, unfortunately, that goes to like Rayados or Tigres. I think they've had the best uh, attendance in the league. And it's like, yo, give them a game. Like, let them, you know, host a Mexico game. It's it's a beautiful venue. Uh, It's going to be packed. And it's going to be a breath of fresh air for everybody. Because, like, El Azteca, kinda, you know, it's starting, to, it's starting to show its age. And, unfortunately, <coughs> ya, ya no pesa. You know, it just hasn't been that that fortress that it used to be. I think teams no, yeah. go, p- teams go into El Azteca and they don't tremble anymore. And that's – and it's like once you lose that edge, that advantage, like – you got to take it somewhere else. Um, also, look at the current champions, Atlas. You know, look at how, how packed Jalisco was and how everybody was engaged with the team. Like, uh, a Mexico game in, in El Jalisco or in Zapopan and Acron would be amazing. But, you know, why they insist on Azteca, I don't know why. I have no idea.
2: Yeah, I don't know. There's a contract behind it between La Federación and uh, who knows. But... Honestly, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but a lot of decisions that the national team makes as far as, like, on the higher-up level makes no sense. Uh, from a money point of view, it makes sense, but from a sporting view, it doesn't. But they're not even filling up El Azteca, so from a money point of view, I don't get it either.
0: Yeah, and I think I think tickets are more expensive in Monterrey. So even then, but the majority of the money is going to come from TV, it doesn't matter where they play, they could play at a, you know, at a parking lot. And, and you know, it, as long as it's being televised, they're gonna get the cut. So unless it's Televisa, you know, they last, they do they do have the stronghold still. Um, Cause they had that, um, I don't know if you guys remember, there was that big voting to see if, if they kept the rights to the national team and you had Grupo Pachuca and others that were opposing them. And then they ended up with, um, supposedly the contract had a renewal clause for eight more years. And I think it's been two or three years since. But I do feel once that contract ends, we will we'll see a lot of changes coming up, uh, especially with TV as regards to Max with the selection and whatnot, because I think uh, they've been slowly losing their grasps. Uh, Televisa, they're, they're not as strong as they once were. Um, they lost Olympic rights a few years back. I think it was the Brazil Olympics, and they took the... Um, not even Tebasteca had them. It was the Slim Claro TV that won them. Um, so we're, we're seeing that slowly, that that could change that could change right the outlook of of f m f once we once they hit that negotiation again and at this point i don't think I don't think televisa's gonna have that much of a stronghold uh with with Seleccion as they had for years now
1: there's any contract that I wish would be terminated immediately it's our contract with adidas they've just been disrespecting the national team for so long <laughs> and it's just terrible man like the jerseys that they've made i know we're one of the top selling jerseys in the world and this is what they give us it's like come on man you gotta do better than this
0: they don't got that little bird i don't like the new badge um but i know it's gonna be the one that in this jersey once they get to the world cup
2: Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking with the new badge. Like, I I don't have problems with change. I feel like in order to survive, you gotta be able to adapt and evolve. But I just think they could have gone uh so many different more better ways as far as the badge. I uh, I get the modern look they were going for, but uh like the idea was there, just the execution was terrible.
0: I agree with you a hundred percent. I felt the same way, and I remember when when there was a leak of the image. And I was like, this looks like a first draft. <laughs> I was like, and, and I was uh, similar to you. I said, okay, I see what they're trying to do. I like it, but I feel that it still needs, it needs, it needs something else there. And uh, I, I feel they would have said, you know, like for, for fans to submit, I'm pretty sure they would have gotten way better designs. Oh, 100%. I don't know, I don't know who they paid. It looks like they just did it on Photoshop. It looks Not
1: even. Um, they went on Fiverr and said, hey, who can do this for five bucks?
2: <laughs> Most likely. And I don't think Nike or anyone's going to sign us until Mexico can get rid of that puto chant. I mean, with everything that's been going on at Nike, and that's athletes like Greenwood.
1: Oh, I God.
2: Think, yeah. Oh, on, man, that's I, a
0: great point. I didn't even
2: think of that. Yeah, I mean, Nike's like, Mexico's always in the news for having a homophobic chant. Yeah, we're definitely not gonna do their jerseys. So
0: maybe Umbro, I don't know. Go back to Umbro. Hey, I'm all you for are... the
1: domestic brand. Let's just do it,
2: you know, Charlie. I think Charlie. Charlie? Oh yeah, Charlie does great jerseys.
0: That's true. That's true. Or or just go back to Ava. <laughs> <laughs> like, just hey, just redo the ninety eight jersey. Everyone wants
2: that. That was a clean. We're gonna <laughs> so do Puma jerseys because you know ninety nine percent of us ain't gonna look right in them yeah <laughs> me, skin tight ones.
1: while while we're at it we gotta we gotta delete you know terminate that puma contract with chivas oh boy those jerseys are brutal man they they don't fit right
2: yeah you want to talk about somebody that doesn't care about their team i mean adidas loves mexico compared to how puma's been treating uh chivas <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's been it's been brutal um but, yeah, we're on the hour mark, guys. It was just going to be a quick, impromptu recap of the national team today and overall their performance in Qatar or the road to Qatar. Um, but, yeah, do you guys have any closing thoughts before we wrap up this?
2: Uh, me, I'm just surprised that there's a high chance of Canada finishing the road to Qatar undefeated.
1: Yeah, that's pretty Good. impressive if they, they have do zero pull losses. Off.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think they have any games against the U.S. or Mexico left, right? Mm. No. No, yeah, so, yeah, they, um, yeah.
1: but we did mention earlier that they do have a tough uh, ending to this because uh, two out of their three games are going to be on the road. Okay. Yeah. They got to play against um, Panama and Costa Rica, and those are two teams that are trying to get into so That will be interesting.
0: When yeah, but when I is mean, the team... they are
2: in? I mean, there's no way they're getting knocked out.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty much at the World Cup, and I, I do think Jaime uh, was talking about they might crash at the World Cup. But even if that happened, uh, just the fact that they're hosting the next, it's it's already, you know, they're they're already cementing, cementing their 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 team to be to be more consistent. Because like in the past, they've sort of sort of been there. You know, like the they were at 36 World Cup, then they disappeared. Then they won a Gold Cup. You know, they had a squad here with some pretty good players, and then they disappeared again. But it, but I think they they've been slowly building up to, you know, like um, just having that consistency. Not not just because they have the MLS teams, but um, we talked how they they started their own league. Maybe it's like semi-pro, but still important to have to have their own and, and and the fact that they're hosting the World Cup. So I think all of those things slowly building up to Canada becoming one of the more regular teams in the region. Uh, so that will be interesting to see too because I do feel it makes it more competitive. Uh, we were talking last week how if Honduras and Costa Rica were playing to the level we're used to seeing them, how much more uh, difficult this qualifying uh, campaign would have been, and but it's been the opposite. Honduras has been trash. Costa Rica like <laughs> no, nowhere near where, where you know that team that went to Brazil and then. Ever since you know, Holland scored
2: nine goals on Honduras, they've been <laughs> different.
0: It's, they're still in the shower, like they're in fetal position. <laughs> yeah, Honduras is is disappointing because it seemed like they were they were like doing things right. They were going after the the right coaches and they were trying to you know getting their teams in the Olympics and I don't know what the hell happened man aside from that night that beat down but <clears throat> it's, it's 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 pretty bad um, Costa Rica too man they're not nowhere near and and that's the other thing where we we talk about because we see a lot of these Canadians you know dumping their chest saying you how they're the, they're the new Giants and it's like it takes more than just one campaign, you know. We saw we saw Costa Rica and look what they did at the World Cup and, and they're no you know. So to to maintain that, to maintain to keep playing at that level, it's it's very difficult. Correct. You know, to think that you reach it and you're gonna stay there, it's difficult. You might do it for like a cycle or two, a good four, eight years and then after that it's Who knows, you know, and we're seeing it now with teams like Real Madrid, Barcelona, some of these teams that were a few years back, they just seem unstoppable. Now they're, they just seem pretty average. Well, not average. They're still really good, but not, they're they're not that team that was like everyone feared.
1: I I mean, I'm telling you guys right now, Canada's going three and out in the World Cup. Like they're going to be deer (laughs) and headlights. They're just going to be like, oh my goodness.
2: Hey, you, know, you never know. If they get, like, one powerhouse and two, like, whatever teams, yeah. I'd be surprised. I mean, they got talent. Or they got a game, an identity of style of play. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but, It I works mean, well here, but
1: up, I'm telling you, man. I, I
2: got a question for you guys, and you can't, like, go into detail in your answer. You just got to, like, choose one or the other. After everything that we've been through with Tata, which who, who had a great start and everything, after the 2018 World Cup, if you would have had this hindsight, would have you have kept Osorio and let him build on what he had been doing, like winning in Columbus, winning in Canada, qualifying like easy cake through the qualifying rounds, or would you have brought Tata in and just stuck with Tata? Where the rotacion is that bad? I'll let
1: Joely go first.
0: I will go for Tata, I will, I would have gone for the change simply because what we were looking for in the coach was, and I still think we're still looking for that, is when you get to that key game to win it. And so for example, Osorio couldn't do it at Copa America Centenario, that was like to me, one of the big tests. And he, he failed miserably there. And then at the World Cup, I don't I didn't pass out over that Germany win. Just because I think Mexico's been one of those teams that, at the group stage, man, they're, you know, I, I bet Team C, if they draw Mex, they're like, fuck. You know, because they, they'll rather play Mex in the second round, but not in the group stage because it's, it's, their record is very impressive. Um, hands down if we just see it and they've been like in the group of death two or three times and they've made it through each time so that's that's pretty impressive but but it's at that clutch game at you know in the second round where they always seem to to fail and I think Osorio he'd never managed to do that same with La Volpe when people talked about it when he was at the at the helm, that the times he got to that key game, he never he was never able to win it. Um, so that's and with Tata is like, yeah, he might suck right now, but that doesn't mean when he gets to the World Cup, he might pull that win. We don't know, you know. It's it's subjective. Yeah, but he couldn't
1: right? do it with Argentina. What's what's the chances of him doing it with Mexico? Can do it,
2: could Can do it with Argentina. He had two <laughs> opportunities, right? he lost i mean he hasn't he's lost what like four or five finals in a row yeah
1: and here's the thing and and we talked about this last episode i was like why is it that we haven't given a coach eight years i feel like ah yeah i would have loved to have kept osorio yeah he did shit the bed against sweden yeah he did shit the bed against brazil but give him the opportunity to learn from that and do it all over again and you know we would have probably had but another thing too is you can't compare the two cycles. I think this qualifier has been a lot more competitive than it was 4 years ago. And I think that maybe even with O'sodia we might have still struggled. Uh but what I can tell you is he would have definitely left out some players or called up better players or we oh, wouldn't have had the sure. we wouldn't have seen the same lineup twice. And that's what you're going to get with him. <laughs> and I do think that it would have been nice to keep him because I felt like the players liked him. He he liked it. And I don't know, man. Like the peak Osorio was like that win against Germany. I think that was like the highest high. Like, holy shit, this is guy is a genius, you know? And then we end up going into the same, you know, mistakes that we do every single time we go to the World Cup. But I would have I would have been curious to see what would have another cycle with Osorio looked like. Now it's like He's, like, homeless. I don't know. I have no idea what those what uh, Osorio is doing now, but it, his career has gone da- on a downward spiral since, you know, since Mexico. So I have no idea.
2: Yeah, I would have kept him as well. I feel like he had a method and explanation to every decision he took. Uh, I enjoyed his press conferences. I thought they were uh, a change instead of a usual Piojo Herrera blaming the refs or saying that was más huevos or something. Uh, Osorio would actually, you know, explain everything in soccer terms, uh, with soccer ideas, so I love that. Uh, As far as uh, the Sweden game, I think, I don't know if it's confirmed, but it's it's been that rumor that the locker room, like, kind of, like, bent his hand to not change the lineup, that they felt they did so good in the second game to keep the same lineup, and he kind of, like, conceded. If that's true or not, I'm sure that would have been a learning experience for the next round, not to betray his identity, but yeah, honestly, I, I wouldn't have mine kept him another four years. I think uh, out of all the coaches we had, he was one of the more professional ones, and as far as his decision making,
0: he, I agree, he was very professional, and he did he did stuff that, like for example, when they played in Columbus, they they hosted the the team didn't usually the will go to Max. And then just fly the day off or the day before, but they went to Columbus, uh, just straight there. You know, no need to go to Mex. And I think that helped. That was a big to to you know acclimatarse and whatnot. And his his uh, defending in set plays was the best. Really, you know, Mexico really conceded. He was like with something they're struggling now, but they were. They were pretty solid. He did have a lot of positives. I, I'm not, I, I didn't like him, but you can't deny all his, all the positive stuff he did have going for him.
1: You just slipped in there that I didn't like him.
0: <laughs> well, I did, I did. But, but I'm I did not
1: like the fact he
2: didn't use a natural CDM. I think that was his biggest weakness. Like you know, like no Gallito or no. Uh... Whatever oh, he, he didn't like short guys. Games. That was my issue yeah. with him. Yeah, that that was what I did not like about him. I was like, we're not doing anything major with Osorio because he doesn't like playing the natural CDM. He's doing somebody like Duenas or like... I forgot who else he had up in there. But that was my biggest problem with him. I
1: forgot about that. He had issues with Manlets. And at that time, Chap- <laughs> Chapito Montes was uh, was the oh, truth. It
0: was him and Gallo, dude. Yeah,
1: him and Gallo. And, I mean... It's like you kind of have to like choose. Like, do you want to have short guys that can boss the midfield, or do you want to stop conceding? You know, set piece goals, and we're just gonna put a bunch of truncos in there, and it worked. It worked. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like you can't have your cake and eat it too, I guess.
0: Yeah, that eight year stuff. I do, I do, and I don't think we're gonna see it now with with Martino, because I do feel there's a. There's a chance he might get sacked, even if he does qualify. Uh, I do feel there's, oh there's, there's that, that campaign against him.
2: Um, well, I don't think we'll ever see it with any, like, Mexico coach. Because, like, you look you look at pictures of U.S. presidents, like, before and after the term. Like, it looks so <laughs> different. It's the same thing with Mexico coaches. Look, look at Joaquim Lowe in Germany. That guy looks the same, and he was there, like, for 15, 20 years. Didn't change at all. You know why? Because he eats his boogers. Four years, they age, like, 12 years in four years. Yeah. I like just thought that before and after pictures. Just look at him. It's, like, crazy.
1: Oh, he looked stressed today. He looks so stressed. <laughs> and, and, like, at the end when they were uh, showing how many stoppage minutes, they put six. He started laughing, like, and it was like that nervous laugh like "Ah oh, fuck <laughs> like Yuck. shit but uh I agree man there's there's just something that happens when you become the coach of the national team and I don't think anybody has recovered from that job man I think everyone's careers have just been on a downward spiral after they coach the yeah, national team
0: era, man he's He's always left like a boss, no matter what, <laughs> and, and he might go back for a third time because we talk about who who would replace Tata and it's going off of what f m f normally does is they would appoint someone known at this point they they're not gonna bring in a new coach uh it's it's very unlikely, so they would they would go after someone from the league, someone that is known, someone that's gotten results that they trust and it's the three names that pop up, Piojo, Aguirre and uh, Tuca, you know,
1: maybe Nacho. So,
0: I, I, yeah, but not, he wouldn't over those three guys. He would have to win the league again. I mean, he would have to do a lot I, I, unless he, you know, turned Toluca into a, into a, another, you know, another Leon, it seems a bit unlikely, but, um, but
2: not I don't see Nacho. I I don't know. I think if Nacho was a foreigner, like a foreign coach, I feel like he would have already been the Mexico coach. Yeah, I, he, I, I feel like he's done a lot. He's very undervalued. I don't know if it's his appearance or what. It's his flat
1: top, dog. I They're like, this is now. not gonna give us marketing. <laughs> this ain't gonna help us sell Modelo's. Like, you
2: can't. You got to get rid of that flat top. I, I don't know what I, it I, is. If he's just he has a very low key profile, but he's done well at the majority of the teams he's been at.
0: Yeah, very good. He was unfortunate in Spain, you know, they didn't give him much of a chance. Um but eso no
1: lo no le llaman. Hey,
0: I saw the like medical <laughs> comment. I, I can't I can repeat them here. We will get, we'll get bad. But it was the, his own you know, when he got sacked from the America coach and they were vile, man. They was they were bad and it was on Twitter. And I was like, damn. <laughs> it's like it feels like they hate this dude. Uh a bit too much. But yeah, I do I do think there's part of that. But I agree with you. I, I do think he's I, I do think if he continues doing good for next World Cup, um, but not this one, either to fire Tata they would just go one of the three I mentioned.
1: You know, you guys got me thinking now. <laughs> You know, even if Mexico do like qualify, there is no guarantee that, you know, that will coach the World Cup. And I, I, I do wonder, you know, I know this win kind of puts a little bit of cushion between us and Panama, but if we lose at home to the United States, is that the last straw?
0: <laughs> it would be, dude, and it'll be the fourth his his what, third fourth fourth defeat to them?
1: Yeah, in a row.
0: Yeah, well, even though the first two were technically draws, but still, it's it's you know the media's not gonna
1: Nations League gonna, Gold Cup qualifier and another and qualifier.
0: And yeah, and I mean, too.
2: and even in the first two being draws is like the U.S. has always played the same. Like, how many times do they got to play you for you like to build like an actual uh, plan against them? Set pieces. Like, you can talk about. Yeah, you can talk about, like, you know, Chucky missed this one or, uh, Tecatito missed that one, but besides, like, one or two chances here, like, Mexico hasn't been, like, fully dominant or has had a clear idea how to play against the U.S. So how many more times do you need to play them against the same coach, basically the same star 11, before you get an idea of what to do?
0: Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed with that. That's why, and I, I think that's why a defeat especially at home which would be the first the first ever win for the u.s and qualifiers at azteca i think that would that would really you know that would be the, the 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 last straw
1: i didn't even think about that march 24th that might be a day of of uh what is it like judgment day you know that that could be the day that Tata gets fired. I mean, well,
0: that's that's why this game was huge because um, just having won it, you you can at least go into that match with a more, you know, peace of yeah. mind.
2: He should be grateful to Diego Robin for uh, that dive and uh, give him <laughs> a little extra points. It's- Sent him a He's a basket. small guy.
1: He, you know, that was a legit, you know, tackle. I don't know.
2: I've seen some angles that are very questionable. I, uh, I, I don't know. You but- I know, I, I
1: was curious. You know, if they were gonna allow that goal to go through the the one where Chucky was clearly out. You know, with the ball, I was like, that ball was out like by a mile. You know, and then they still had to go on VAR. I was like, I wonder if they're gonna like look the other way and give us the goal. But yeah. In the end, it was a questionable penalty. I will admit. In fact, noé penal was trending on Twitter today. So, even our own fans are like, "Come on, bro." Uh,
0: to me, it was. I-, I saw. I saw the, that, that tackle. It looked like cascarita. I. It was to me. It was. He. He did. He did. Uh, impede him to keep. You know, ball was in play, and he. He knocked him out.
1: I will say that game is going to be crucial because Mexico plays USA and then Panama has a freaking layup against Honduras, you know? So mm-hmm. the, if we were to lose, we stay at 21, Panama creeps up at 20 points. And all of a sudden we're looking at Repichaje again, potentially. So
0: yeah, but then th- way, El Salvador.
1: Mexico plays USA at home and then they have to go to Honduras and then they finish uh, at home against El Salvador, so...
0: All right. Let's see the two worst teams. Was it Jamaica still one of the worst? I don't
2: know, but I mean, Honduras might not be doing so hot, but San Pedro Sula does carry its weight, especially uh, for Mexico.
1: Everybody plays like it's the World Cup against Mexico, so... Yeah. No absolutely. team is easy. Uh, not even the Central American teams that, you know... I,
0: mean, I think at this point, they threw the towel. They just, like... I don't
2: think they even want to get called up to the national team. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but I don't know. I, I feel uh, I'd be worried Like if we lost to the U.S. and Panama was one point behind us. I would be pretty worried going into San Pedro Sula. I mean, it wouldn't be an easy game just from the ambiance alone. We say La Azteca no longer has its weight, but I think San Pedro Sula still does to a degree, especially due to its fans. How they keep you up all night and all that.
0: Yeah, that was. I mean, we saw that it with El Salvador,
1: right? They they were rude and kept making noise, and we beat their ass 2 0. But nonetheless, that does have its weight.
2: Yeah, and I think the biggest problem, uh, you know, going back to like, a coach with the eight years, is that I wholeheartedly believe people think, oh, say I'm crazy that probably two of the toughest jobs as far as soccer in the world are Mexico and England. And the reason why I believe that is because, you know, Mexico probably has one of the most, uh, well-paid, uh, leagues out of like North America, South America, Central America and England. It's that version in, um, Europe. Mm -hmm. And, since it's domestic fans, like the English, the Mexicans see how well their leagues are, their stadiums compare like to everybody else around. They feel like their national team should be a reflection of that. But if you look at the leagues, the majority of the play- starting players are foreigners. Foreigners, yeah, uh, in both leagues. So when it comes for the national team to step up, uh, everyone's always like disappointed. Why? Why is our league so it's so great? It's so great. And then both medias, the English and the Mexican media, are like relentless it's no longer about like a job it's like a cult almost religion it's like a religion so um it's a very good
1: comparison there yeah
2: yeah to me like as a coach like i would rather be the coach i think it'd be more low pressure to be the coach of like spain or germany than it would be like mexico Mm. or england just from every every because you know you are expected to give bigger results, such as, like, a World Cup and everything. But you also do actually have that top talent. I mean, like, you will kind of, like, drive yourself. But with, like, Mexico, it's like, all right, come on, guys. You play against Panama. And with all the respect, you play against Panama, Costa Rica, Salvador, Honduras, like, every, pretty much every game. And now you're expecting us to go to the World Cup and, like, win it or, like, make top four. Look at Belgium. Belgium. Had yeah. an amazing generation, amazing generation. Belgium didn't do anything, so Belgium didn't do anything. You're expecting us with your domestic league that's made up of all foreigners. You can't even find a Mexican striker to step up to the plate. You're expecting me to take you to the World Cup final. Like you yeah. guys are gonna get your your guys are not that good of a team. Like you gotta put sus pies en la tierra. And I don't think I think as Mexico fans, we expect a lot more, uh, a lot more beyond our reality.
1: Yeah, I agree. We got to lower our expectations because at the end of the day, you know, we are a top 15, 16 team in the world. I would say on a good day, like Mexico at its best, they can crack into the top like five, maybe. I mean, they did it once, but it, it takes it takes commitment and it takes like a project that's well thought out and everybody's on board. Um, I do think that's an interesting parallel between the Mexican, you know, uh, job and the and the English job. I think the only difference, though, is I don't think the English fans are as toxic. You know, I always see them and they got their full on support. Like, I love the whole 2018 theme of it's coming home. You know, the World Cup's coming home. Like, I love that. And I feel like. Um, you well, know, they with, threw with,
0: them all in jail, all the hooligans. Yeah. That's why. They priced them out, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I I just feel like, um,
1: you know, like uh, the, it is similar. Like the expectations are high, and and definitely like there's a lot of parallels. But I, I do think that the Mexicans just have like the crabs in a bucket type of thing, where it's like they wish bad on on each other for some for no reason, or being toxic for no reason, or being dismissive for no reason. It's like why not give the coach your full support, even if you don't agree with his methods, but. It's gonna make their job a little bit easier if everybody just supports them instead of trying to go against the grain and and make again kicking and screaming all the way to qatar like it's it's really interesting the mindset and the attitude of of Mexico in that matter yeah, yeah
2: no. and, and when you talk about that I mean you're no longer talking about soccer you're just talking about like a society is a uh... That's just the, the cul- way we're built. That's just the culture, bro. Yeah, it's just a culture. Because uh, I mean, we're gonna get a little bit out of soccer here, but you know what? I always found interesting that you know, uh, two Mexicans, like one will say So de Jalisco, another one will say So de Michoacan, they'll get in a fight about it. <laughs> You're not gonna see two Americans say, "I'm from Ohio," "Oh, I'm from Minnesota," and it's a problem all of a sudden. Now they start getting in the fight, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, if we're like getting in on all these fights just because we get drunk at a party and someone says they're from Jalisco and someone says from Michoacan, how, how, that shows you why when it comes to just trying to be united as a nation, you know, trying to do something collectively, why it's a
0: problem.
1: Yeah, there's definitely yeah. that factor in. What were we going to say, Joel?
0: No, it was the something that Tecatote brought up about <clears throat> you know, how Mexico expected to play at this level, and despite not having the players, you know, because uh, the league is full with foreigners, and that is that is very true. You know, this expectation for the team to perform at this level—that it's not—it's it's very difficult to achieve that. And and I just brought it up earlier how hard it is to maintain, you know, a, a certain playing style, and we don't have that many players that you could say are legit pushing for a spot, you know? So we talk about like strikers. There's not that many that you could say are, are doing so good, you know, that there's a, there's a legit debate of who should be, who should be starting.
1: Yeah. That's a alarming thing is uh, we really don't have (laughs) much of a roster to choose from. Raul's rusty. You have Fayez Mori. And then you have Enri Martin, right? Those are like the top three strikers right now. And, and after... And yeah, you
0: know, yeah, well, go... I mean, just really quick, really uh-huh. quick. If, if we were to look to the league and see, okay, the top ten strikers. And for a long time, it's been like nine foreigners and just one Mexican.
1: Yeah, the last yeah. top goal scorer was uh, Pulido.
2: You yeah, have to we we need back... give the youth a chance. Like, you know, I feel like in the wings, I don't know why it's being questioned of starting, uh, what's his name, Julian and uh, Arteaga over Chaca and uh, Gallardo. I feel like the first two are like just younger and just Better. a different explosion. And then as far as the strikers, that's why I felt really bad losing Pepe. I felt Pepe wanted to be with Mexico as far as like, heart-wise. But he just saw that everything that's going on. He's like, I'm not going to get an opportunity. <laughs>
1: Hell no. So
2: he, so he's like, career-wise, yeah, I'm definitely going for the U.S. But over here, we're fighting about Chicharito, Jimenez, and Funes Morty, guys in their 30s, when we could have just said, yeah, we got this kid in the MLS, yes, but he's about to go to Europe. He has a lot of potential. Let's just bring him on. Give him that chance.
1: Yeah. But, again... I've said this time and time again, I have yet to see a player, a Mexican-American player, that we have felt like, oh man, we fucked up on that one. Till this day, I haven't seen a, a Mexican-American player pan out. Maybe Pepe will be the first one, and good for him. He made the right decision, because you're right, there's no way he would have been on this roster. There's no way he would have been going to a World Cup right now, and right now he's, he's on track to doing that. So, you know, he made the right decision. Um. And
2: I, yeah, and I feel we don't call Marcelo Flores for the next three games. I think we might lose him soon. Uh,
1: I don't think so. I think his dad is pretty much on board with this whole Mexican thing. I mean, they they like to post things, and they've seen the love from the fans. And I I I would say it wouldn't hurt to have him as an option off the bench, uh, especially today. But you know, you know Tata has his. Uh, he says we got to give him time you know, let him play with the under 20. And, you know, that makes sense because he unfortunately hasn't even played like first team minutes with Arsenal. He's still playing for the, you know, the under 23. So he's not really like gotten like his debut yet. So I think we yeah, should... But
0: I'm sure the, the Federation has at least promised him that they're going to, you know, bring him in through the whole process and going into the next cycle, we're going to see him in, in all the youth tournaments. Olympics and whatnot, and he's going kind to of slowly come into his own. Like, like you said, he hasn't even played first team minutes. I, I think that's where, what's key right there and what's lacking in Mexico with a lot of the youth where they, they just have almost no playing time. That, that just ends up hurting the selección in the long run because you have these players that by the time they're in their 20s, there's, they're lacking in experience compared to some of these other guys that have been just playing week in, week out.
1: Yeah, how old is Holland? He's like, what, 20 or something? He's 21, dude. He's got like yeah. over 100 goals. This dude's a monster.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Meanwhile, I'm still waiting for Chevy to play with Ju- <laughs> <laughs> Chevy, <laughs> I mean, Chevy yourself, Martinez. I've been running for like three years, man. By the time he plays, he's... He's going to be 25. Yeah. Futuro
1: <laughs> Just like uh, even Macias, bro. He really hasn't had his career on, on track. So it's like, damn. like What is going on with the handoff between the...
0: Well, well even him, if we see how everything happened with him. Like why his... Why things have been so controversial with him. And it was because um, Chivas was trying to send them to second division team and he had already played a few games at first and he was like you know I don't I don't want to go back to second I want to play first or, or just get rid of me and that's when Leon swooped in and was like you know we'll take him on loan and and then we saw what happened where he had two great seasons um and so he was right about that but then uh more you know more of his madre with the whole negotiating his contract. So that's I think that's hurt him a lot. But but I mean you know just how much he's had to fight to to get playing time and and to try to go abroad. That's I think it's been for a player of his talent. It, it shouldn't be like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was gonna get loaned out to suck at the suck at the pick,
0: which was uh, which was uh, geez, what's this guy's name? Higuera, <laughs> you yeah. got like a team. He's like I got a team over here.
2: Man, you, now that you guys brought up Chevy. I completely forgot about him. What did that happen? That was supposed to be our next big guy. <laughs> he got was... uh, he got injured.
0: <laughs> he but he made he made one of these magazines. I think I don't know. It was the Guardian. One of those or they do like.
1: The under fifty? You know. Yeah. Fifty is, yeah. yeah. Fifty top players under a certain age and he made it, yeah.
0: And I've been trying to keep tabs, and it's like, is this guy ever gonna get a chance? We keep bringing back Odines and uh,
2: Oh god some
0: of, these other, <laughs> some of these other guys that were
2: Diva they only scored penalties. <laughs>
1: Joao <Joel> Malek.
2: <sighs> oh I did forget about Joao Malek. Man, he was so promising. Him and him and Greenwood you need know, to have a beer together and talk about how they fucked up <laughs> <laughs> in jail.
1: <laughs> well, for sure, guys. Uh, Twitter spaces for episode three twenty one, talking about the Mexican national team's performance against Panama and overall the the road to Qatar. It's been a little bit bumpy, a lot of kicking and screaming. But I want to thank everyone for for hopping on tonight and giving their input. Uh, Tecatote, appreciate you, man.
2: No, thank you. Thank you for letting me be part of this. It's fun.
1: Coeli, well, do you have any uh, closing thoughts before we wrap this up?
0: Oh yeah, no, no, sir. I think we hit everything on the mark, and then just I was forgetting that uh, the US was next, and so that's going to be a massive game. So that's to build up everything going into that match. I think it's gonna they're gonna let us know what what the federation has in store for us. Uh, so I do think we're gonna be getting a lot of uh, news here and there going into that match' cause that could be that could be Tata's uh, farewell.
1: Yeah, one thing I'd like to like just say is for the next cycle, can't we just have a domestic coach? We have yet to see a country win a World Cup with a foreign coach, and I think that's gonna continue to be the case and it's just time that we bring it home especially for uh, a World Cup that we're going to be co-hosting.
2: Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, a coach can be as much of a genius or experience as he has, but sometimes when it comes to that, like, halftime game where it's, like, literally 50-50, sometimes you just need somebody that loves the country as much as the players, and that's where that motivation or that unity might just come from.
1: Yeah, Gio, you're having a great game. We're going to sub you out. All right. You mean like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Apparently Gio couldn't handle it anymore. It was his his feet were on fire and he asked for a substitution. But
2: Gio said that was a lie. Yeah, but Gio said that was a lie. So... Yeah,
1: you, was a lie. Believe... Uh, Barney rubble.
2: <laughs> yeah. For the fact that Gio come out and say that's a straight up lie on his all his social media. It's like, all right. I don't know. I mean, Piojo's kind of a liar. And he like swings on reporters.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> one of them has a job, and the other one, uh, kind of doesn't have a job right now. Gio is probably out drinking right now. I don't know what he's yeah,
0: doing. Yeah, but but you know, it's it's like the Catote said, man. At the end of the day, he didn't do that move to f with the team. You know, he's 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 coming from a right place. He messed up. Um, who did he bring, Aquino? And it's like um, you will have some of those mistakes. I mean, we saw it with Aguirre uh Aguirre did eventually admit that he fed up when he took out Ramon Morales against the u s so I mean you do get some of these mistakes, but o- overall, I agree with Catota there is that that motivation and that that love for the for the team you're not you know. And that desire, too,
2: at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah, which brings up that uh, eight-year point, Egan. Uh, uh, after that Holland game, one thing that Herrera said that stood out to me, he's like, uh, I don't understand how we're, like, up against Holland in the last 15 minutes of the game, and we're still attacking them. I'll do what do. Like, why are we not taking the ball to the corner? Like, why are we not, like, you know, why are we trying to attack them like if we were losing and that's from a lack of experience from the players on the round of 16, a lack of experience from him. So I feel yeah. you give somebody that eight years, once he's in that moment again, he's like, all right, I've been here before. Guys, we've been here before. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to be attacking the Holland and leave them wide open in the back. No, we're just going to run it to the corner, waste some time, do this, do that, you know. So, yeah, we need to give somebody eight years, but I don't think it's ever going to happen.
1: I agree. Well, we'll have to put a bookmark on this conversation for another month when Mexico plays USA on March 24th. But don't worry. Liga Mequis is back in action on Saturday, starting with Ncaxa and Pachuca. Uh, Chivas will play Juarez. And, uh, yeah, Liga Mequis is back in action. And, of course, we'll be back in action next week to cover all those matches Uh, Again, thanks everyone so much for the support. Follow us on Twitter at the Cantina MX podcast, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. I'll see y'all in therapy.